This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the second episode of the second season of the Batter Up Podcast on 92.9 The Game and Radio.com. My name is Will Pelagic along with Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson. We are your brave source in this time of coronavirus pandemic shutdown, and we're also going to keep things going once the season does begin. We'll be dropping a podcast every week, usually on Sunday night or Monday morning, but uh, for Monday afternoon's purposes, we will do that here as we continue throughout the coronavirus. You can follow me on Twitter at Willie P. Style. You can follow Joe Patrick at J.A. Patrick 200, and you can also follow Caleb Johnson at ATL Johnson 18. When we last spoke, guys, uh, Major League Baseball had a bunch of ideas that were being thrown around as far as the viability of starting the season soon, and there were a lot of crazy rumors. There was the one rumor involving uh, putting all the teams in Arizona just because of how close the ballparks are, but now it seems like the latest rumor that's had a lot of traction is this idea that they're going to play one season on the Cactus League side in Arizona, one season on the Grapefruit League side in Florida, realigning the divisions. The Braves find themselves in a Grapefruit League South with the Boston Red Sox, the Minnesota Twins, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, This is a much tougher division, guys, in my mind, uh, than the one that the Braves have in the NL East. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. This is a... uh, a much different scenario, I think, than the Braves might have thought. Just before we talk about the viability of this, suspend reality a little bit. If this does come to pass, how do your thoughts change about the Braves going into the season based on this particular realignment if it does come to pass? Yeah, you might be right. It might be a little bit more difficult in terms of the teams that you would have right around you. But to me, I'm always just focused on the Braves. you got to focus on yourself before you can focus on other people. And honestly, I think the Braves are set up to be – one of the best teams in baseball, and they will be in contention for a postseason berth, whatever that might look like in this new league uh, for the 2020 season. I think that the Braves are going to be in contention. And I I, I actually, when I first heard about this idea, it made a lot more sense to me. It, it, It seemed more realistic of an idea than the original one we heard of the cactus, the Arizona only uh, biodome at least this way you split it up and you can fix some logistical issues by l- leaving teams to with their own uh, spring training facilities and things like that so it makes some more sense to me I personally like the idea I think this this is the idea that teams probably should be 
thinking about more there's obviously going to be more logistical concerns with it but i think that you know uh, uh, then of course a regular season but i think that this is kind of a step in the right direction in terms of trying to plan out what a 2020 season might look like caleb it seems that you know the braves kind of get a shaft at least in the grapefruit league because they play a season or at least they play in a division with teams that they do not have any real connection to. On the east side, you have the Nationals and Mets, who are basically in the same division themselves, and you have uh, the Marlins in there as well. And in that north, uh, the Yankees and Blue Jays at least know each other. But the the Braves kind of sit here on an island, Caleb, because these are teams that not only do they not have any really familiarity with, uh, they're all in the other league. Yeah, that was, that was my kind of issue with this is – like, are we, what are we doing, DH all the time or, you know, only, like, are we going back to the normal style of whatever option depending on who's at home and then the Braves are kind of odd man out in this division? Also, I mean, these are these are teams who have gotten substantially better as of recent when it comes to uh, the Twins and the Rays, so it's not like it's going to be a, a cakewalk of a division. I think it'd, it'd be a really tough time um, for for the Braves to, to actually win. Plus, you've, you just got, you have life going on on the, on the outside that you're having to deal with at the same time. Uh, I don't think this would be very easy for, for the Braves to, to go through versus if we were just playing in the NL East. And I also wonder, you know, there are certain things that haven't been addressed. I know the one thing you mentioned, Caleb, was that the DH would probably be a universally implemented thing just for this year. Uh, that'd be something that would have to be collectively bargained, I'm sure, at least by the the National League teams. I also wonder, too, just how the scheduling breaks down when it comes to, okay, how many games will you play against your own division? How many games will you play where you have to go up north or west or east or how that will go? And my only deal is, you know, I'm wondering if, in fact, you get to a point where, okay, you've declared Grapefruit League champions and Cactus League champions, then then now what? Yeah, I think, like, it, like is the plan, I, I guess I haven't seen it entirely, is the plan to go Cactus League against Grapefruit League to determine a World Series champion, like, like have there we been a couple, there have been a couple of of proposals there was some where it basically said you'd play out the season and then have a, a 30 team playoff you know Ugh. just to do, do that whole thing which no seems my, odd my and fav- then there's the whole go ahead Joe my my favorite was the uh, neutral site World Series at Dodger Stadium oh yeah you know because it's not like the Dodgers would be in contention <laughs> to to you know be of playing course. for it or anything so <laughs> The the viability of this is also part of the discussion, and it was something that was addressed by Freddie Freeman, Braves' first baseman, when he was talking during the Braves' at-home opener discussion. I've talked to a couple people. Um, you know, it's going to be hard with a new spring training facility. The rentals were already hard enough to try and find down there. Um, and then you have... The Orioles and the Pirates were all right, kind of right next to each other. So if we go down to Florida, which is, a, you know, our complex is absolutely incredible down there. It's going to be hard to find the house, uh, all of us, especially when you have the Orioles and the Pirates trying to find hotels, too, because we're not going to be able to find houses or anything like that to rent. So I don't know. It's just so many other logistics 
that go go into us being in Florida. So I'm not quite sure. And the other part of this too, guys, is that you're dealing with certain scenarios where you have teams that share their facilities. Uh, I know that's the case a lot of the time in Phoenix. You have that as well also with uh, some of the Florida sites. Both the Marlins and Cardinals share their facility, as do the Astros and Nationals. There is, of course, the option of having games being played at Tropicana Field in Tampa, uh, Marlins Park in Miami, and of course Chase Field in Phoenix. But when you think about it, uh, this is not just this isn't something where you have to basically roll out a schedule and turn it into something. This is a, a scenario where you might have some logistical pitfalls, not just involving the things that Freddie Freeman's talking about with housing. I I, I do always lo- like hearing from a player because they always bring up some logistical issue that you hadn't thought of because they 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 experience baseball totally different than media does or fans do you know they they understand a lot more of the complexities so i always enjoy listening to players kind of bring these things up i do think it's kind of funny that i don't know when exactly this was recorded i know it was broadcast on the braves at home um thing that they did for uh for their digital properties on youtube and stuff but um it is kind of funny that he's talking about rental houses as if that would be a thing that's still on the table at this point, right? Where we're now talking about like bubble, ho- like players all living in the same hotel and shuttled in in sanitized buses to you know certain locations. It's just the the speed and rate at which the news and proposals are evolving is uh, is fascinating to me. Yeah, I think this was around a week ago that that this took place. Uh, this was re- recorded as far as the interview was. So it is, it's kind of alarming to see where, as you know, just a little over a week ago, the thought was going through a player's head of, well, I mean, this is going to be tough for for me to be able to get a house, and now we're at, yeah, like like Joe was saying, we're at a point where little quarantine bubbles where I. I was reading an article that was essentially shutting all of this idea down. Uh, Stephanie Epstein wrote something for Sports Illustrated uh, talking about just the fact of you'd have to test everyone who was going to play, who was going to be in the media, who was going to be handling the equipment, who was going to be a doctor, an EMT, anything. You would have to test all of those yeah, food prep, you'd have to test all of those people. They would then have to be quarantined for two weeks. Then you could go to the facility because that that way you would know no one has it and anything like that. Um, you would have to ship the food in, hope that it didn't get contaminated in any way. If anyone, you know, uh, heaven forbid, while you're playing is test positive, then you got to go test everyone, shut everything down, another two weeks of quarantine. Like, like there is, <laughs> there's so much into this to, to try to play as quickly as possible that it, it just, it becomes more unrealistic as the, as the days go by. And then I can't, it, I can't remember where I heard this, but uh, somebody was talking about uh, Mike Trout and like his wife is expecting a baby at some point this fall or something. And it's like, Okay, so he just like can't leave to go see the birth of the no, baby, no. or if he does leave, then he has to leave and then be quarantined for two weeks before he can be reintegrated into the the biodome, so to speak. Yeah, it's just it's insane. And the player aspect of it, guys, is just a, a bit of it. I'm glad that you know you guys both brought up you know food prep and assistant people. I mean, we we saw somebody 
I think it was a video assistant on one of the NBA teams uh, just passed away from COVID, and mm-hmm. even even uh, a photographer from the yeah, New York a well-known Post. well-known photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's 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 not just the players, and and even if you eliminate fans. If you're wanting to put this stuff on TV, you know, there's support staff crew that needs to be involved, you know, radio, obviously, and engineers. And, and because of that, that that adds another element into it. It's not just a simple thing where you could just say, uh, hey, we're going to put a, an unattended webcam up uh, on here. Because if, if, if there is one element of this that needs to basically be talked about, it's the fact that, okay, how is this going to be monetized for baseball and how is it going to be televised for baseball in a way that either represents or tries to make up whatever financial loss that Major League Baseball is already going to realize because if you don't have fans that's a significant loss when it comes to you know what you're dealing with at the gate. Totally I it's a great point and when you talk about what the broadcast might look like like the the how the game is presented during this time is going to be more important than ever because you don't have fans. So you need to be doing things extra that add more. I mean, obviously people are going to be interested because the games are being played and that's going to create some sort of interest in and of itself, but you need to be, if it comes off as like a second rate broadcast, you know, that can do damage to the team's brands, the, the, the league's brands. So, that's going to be so important, and when you talk about the amount of people that need to be involved and be able to re- to create that, it it ratches it ratches up the uh, the amount of people like exponentially. You know, when you start talking about all these different people who have to be involved in creating the product that Major League Baseball will want to be presenting people, like you know, even the stuff they were doing in spring training this year, miking up players, like that would be a great thing to do in the absence of having fans. Um, you know, extra mics on the field, whether they're in bases or whatever, to kind of pick up some of that stuff, especially when you don't have the fan noise. But it's just that you need more people, more hands on deck, more people, you know, touching, interacting with players and that kind of thing. It just, you know, there's no, there's no like golden path. Risk, that, that there's the, no, that there's the no golden take. risk eliminator. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's no like correct way you can do it. It's just like, how much risk do you want to take? What is the reward for the risks that you're taking? Um, you know, and so that's what that's kind of the conundrum, and that's why it's going to be really interesting to see if these sides can come to an agreement where everybody is satisfied. It's interesting, Joe, that you're talking about the broadcast side because all while you were talking, it it made me think of what a lot of us were watching on Sunday, which was the NBA's version of doing horse of you know players playing horse against one another. And the broadcast side of it was awful. I mean, it was guys. <laughs> it was guys using their iPhones and having a brother or sister or some whoever's living oh, with gosh, them yeah. broadcast it. It was super choppy. You know, things paused at times. Uh, <laughs> the conversation was really slow. It was hard to get engaged in the entertainment value, and like, like that's what we're here for. Like. That's the whole point of us coming together and doing this, of Major League Baseball trying to play games, is because there's an entertainment value. They want to lift people's spirits. They want to bring some type of normalcy back to things. And so when, you, when you're talking about you know, going about this the right way, you have to. Otherwise, you've wasted a lot of people's time and you've risked a lot of people's health in order to, to put out a product that people aren't interested in. The alarming thing for me is that 
you know, what, what gives, uh, and, and kind of going back to what both of you have said, what makes playing in Arizona or Florida inherently different than playing in home ballparks? And I think that and I'm not saying we have to hold out for that, but what is the inherent difference other than the fact that the travel is is easier? Because even so, there are still going to be risks that are involved. Like I think it was either Joe or, or you, Caleb, said that you're not going to be able to eliminate all the risks that are involved when it comes to people catching this virus just by cutting down travel time and, and trying to incubate the, the players as much as possible. I think at the end of the day, you have to hold out for an option that involves teams playing in their home ballparks at least as much as possible. I think what you were talking about, like with the Arizona stuff and, and with the Florida stuff, the the idea obviously is to eliminate as much uh, as many variables as possible. You know, having the same people there be, because if you're gonna have doctors, if you're going to have game day staff if you're gonna have all of these people they can't live at home like they have to live on site everyone together so you got to pay them enough so that they can do that reasonably give up that family time and other there are things that they're that they're going to want to do outside of their job uh and so how many people are you going to be able to find willing to do that well you're definitely not going to find that in 30 ballparks across the country so I think the idea is limiting that to Arizona, but even can you find that in Arizona and in Florida? Because the, the the one thing I, I was going to bring up is just I saw this morning Jeff Passan was on uh, ESPN, and now he's back trailing saying that it's only Arizona that Major League Baseball is looking at, that, that they could be all out on, on this idea of Cactus League versus Grapefruit League um, that – there's just that much uncertainty around it. It's because the Arizona heat kills the virus. I guess we hope. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, you're not the only person who's brought that up to not me. My, my, my dad, who has no epidemiology uh, background of any kind, says, you know, normally, you know, temperatures over a certain level eliminates or largely limits the, the transfer of it. But I even read something where... Uh, I forget who said it, but like apparently the virus could travel up to 13 feet, depending on you know uh, how it gets into the atmosphere. If it's if it's how if, strong if, someone sneezes, exactly. It's it's as and again, there are plenty of of different avenues on on this. A lot of them are politically charged. I don't think any of us is trying to get into that space, <laughs> but I, I I do think. The one thing that I think we all want is that we want the games back when the risk of playing them is low or low enough to where you are not putting players at risk of their health and not just players, but support staff and things of that nature. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, we don't like to talk about the virus, mainly because none of us really know what we're talking about when we talk about it. We're not, like you said, we're not epidemiologists, we're not doctors, and it's not fun to talk about in general. No, I will. No. I will say, it's depressing. when you're following, when you're, as a sports fan, to me at least, the one thing you want to be keeping track of when you're, the news is talking about this and that is how many tests are being done. The, the, if... 
the more tests that can get done and the more widespread tests can be and the more the, the better the test can be at detecting like antibodies determining who has actually had it in the past who's immune that kind of thing that is the most important thing for sports so that's the only thing i'm really focusing on right now the things that really make the news are of course the death counts and the case counts and all that stuff but the amount of testing that we can do is really what's going to catalyze sports getting back well and a vaccine like i well uh, yeah but that's yeah. i mean i'm just kind of considering the, no. the vaccine being out of the question yeah. until next year yeah yeah well that was the i guess some of the more depressing stuff that that i've read was with the the Epstein article uh, essentially saying the you know this process of creating a, uh, a vaccine is going to take 12 to 18 months to not only create the vaccine but then distribute it out to where people can actually take it and mm-hmm. then a conversation I was having with my wife is it kind of like does this go into the whole like flu vaccine where some people don't take it and then others do you know like those are those are kind of unfortunately the realities that we have to look at when at the same time we're having our conversations about hey how can we get you know this entertainment that we love out and and a decent product that we can watch are there advantages to baseball the way that it's played are there advantages there that allow it to get back closer to playing over say other sports where there's more I mean, direct contact involved? I mean, sure, because obviously baseball players are already spread out uh, a decent amount. Obviously, you have uh, tennis and golf who are, are more... Those are the most. Yeah. yeah, who are more suitable just because, especially golf, you can go play by yourself, you can go carry your own bag and eliminate a lot of those interactions that you'd have to have with other people. It is interesting when it does come to baseball that... One of those areas uh, that I was I was kind of talking about last week where we could bring in new rules or new ideas into the game, this would be the perfect time to go with robot umpires because you want to eliminate people being too close to one another. And so, hey, who needs that home umpire, home umpire you know, right behind a catcher when you've got a robot umpire who can call balls and strikes? Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of that experimentation. I don't know if so much experimentation with the rules. We kind of did discuss that in yeah. our in our last show. But I do think you'll definitely see more experimentation with trying to automate processes, trying to, yeah, just remove actual physical bodies from the equation. And yeah, you'll probably still have a home plate umpire. They just won't stand where they would normally stand, you know, yeah. and so they'll still be able to make calls and – um, adjudicate, adjudicate the game, but they won't be doing it how they normally would. And so it will be interesting, I think. And I think that there are good things that can come out of that. You know, there's a there's a quote that says, um, like, uh, it, this is not the quote, but it's like, don't let any crisis go to waste or something like that. And it's like, th- yeah. with every crisis, there are opportunities to try to advance things in certain areas where, you know, especially with regards to home plate umpires, there's been a lot of kind of momentum in that for a long time or at least for the last several years and so this is a good time to try to make that leap and I think that you're already looking at a season that is like not even not not even say it's going to be tainted it's just going to be looked at completely differently it's going to be Mm -hmm. be looked at as its own thing um that is 
kind of separate from every other Major League Baseball season. So I think that for that reason, you have a lot more incentive to go ahead and try to implement some of these things. It, could we maybe just, you know, eliminate base running and do like the automatic baseball rules? <laughs> like, you know, have the, uh, you know, b- ball gets past the tree, it's a single or a double or if ghost it's caught in the line. Ghost man on second. Ghost man on second. Yeah, yeah. Ghost running. Yeah, could, ghost could, 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 could that be... Could that be a, a compromise <laughs> no, of sorts? No, no, uh, no, yeah. no catcher, no catcher. I mean, at, at, yeah. At this point, we're we're just gonna have to look and see, um, with all of the proposed ideas, how late in the year this carries us, uh, because obviously now you start getting into you know football timetables and other sports that are trying to happen around this time. Um, I guess so that's kind of my question to you guys is um, what is a realistic idea now that we have more information of when do we start to see a weird Arizona, Florida, or anything starting up? I mean, if you, if you are only doing it in Florida and Arizona, you probably have the, you know, the leeway to go into – December probably I don't know how exactly how I don't really visit either of those states too often but I imagine it's still relatively you know warm enough to play baseball at least uh, Arizona is probably more viable for December play than than Florida there's still parts of Florida that don't get uh the kind of tropical climate like, say, South Florida gets. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, I mean, I've, obviously you're going to go deeper in the season, and I think that everybody would be kind of in favor of doing that, right? Because I think the, the players would be willing to, you know, they want the opportunities and the pay and all that stuff, and obviously the broadcasters would want to be have the chance to put as many games on TV as possible. I will say, you know, you talk about running into the football season and everything. And I know there's been a lot of kind of discussion between our colleagues about, you know, how the TV contracts are going to work out with all these sports going on in the fall, Mm -hmm. which hopefully happens. Um, I do think it's what, how lucky are we that this just happens to, uh, that this, this whole situation is happening in, a media environment where we now have all these streaming services. So there's not really a shortage of being able to actually watch any of these. I think that that's like a huge financial saver for a lot of these leagues is at least they're going to have contracts to be able to produce these, you know, their product and put them somewhere. It might not be on, you know, the, the primetime slots. Cause obviously there's a limited amount of those on TV, but I think that with how widespread streaming services are and you have to wonder maybe maybe some of the bigger streaming services maybe apple tv tries to like you know pick up some you know that might be stretching it but you at least you have places for these all these sports to be watched somewhere well i just my my whole concern is is not even running into the football season it's running into what would be the 2021 baseball season i think you don't you don't want it to end too late to where it's like okay we uh, we're done with the World Series in December, and oh by the way, pitchers and catchers support in two months. Like, well, but, yeah, but, because but players wouldn't have be coming off of like a the long grueling season that they had before. See, I wouldn't think that that would be really a problem. Maybe it would. Maybe maybe the players would want their full um, or a, a large part of their winter break. Well, I, my other thing too is that I don't, I I haven't heard the appetite for players to get back yet. Like I haven't heard, you know, Agreed. a player come out and say that there's oh, like I'm, I'm getting antsy. I'm getting testy. I want to play. Cause I mean, I, I even saw, and, and this, th- this, this is probably not an apt example, but 
there was a situation involving the WWE, uh, and I'm not even really the big, that big of a wrestling fan, but they were talking about how they were going to pre-tape some shows and do them all kind of in bulk uh, and have them air throughout May and June. And uh, apparently the TV companies that, that televise the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, brand came back and said, you can't do that because we might be in violation of our contract because of pre-taping these shows. So they're going to tape them live each week uh, and have them that way. And, and the performers were kind of testy about it. And, and I'm wondering, not necessarily that the two things are, are con- congruent, but my whole issue is I, I just I haven't heard the appetite of baseball players out there yet of saying, okay, you know, like we haven't we haven't heard somebody come out there and say, oh, my God, you know, Let's get back already. You know, we haven't heard that yet. I think yeah. I think I'm not saying that that has to happen, but I'm guessing we'll probably have that type of outcry before we even get some sort of plan in place to actually get games underway again. It would certainly be a good indicator to start seeing that, right? It, it, like to see players like that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, athletes are human beings just like us. And I think right. everybody right now is just like kind of, going about the world with a little bit of trepidation as to going out and they're not any different. Yeah. And I think more so what's going on right now is you have guys, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Zach Wheeler of the Mets coming out and being like, yeah, if this Arizona idea is what we're going with, I'm not going. I'm out. <laughs> so yeah. So, so you're, you're dealing with more of that right now than it's yeah, like, Ooh, yeah. man, I really got this itch to go play. And I'm sure they do. Like, uh, obviously that's, that's, it's what they it's what they do it's their their job it's what they enjoy doing but with everything else going on in the world it's kind of like it it seems so small and also for the moment it seems so risky that it's not worth it until we have more information and 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 like joe was saying earlier better testing and hopefully at some point a vaccine yeah it's a guy in wheeler who uh just got himself a pretty hefty payday from the Phillies in the offseason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the fact that sure he's... he's hoping to see that money. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is that they're not going to get paid if they don't play these games. So uh, as you would think they had some, there would be some inkling of them wanting to get these games in. But, you know, I, I agree with them. Like, I can't fault anybody for not wanting nope, to not at all. go do that. I, my money's on Trevor Bauer. He's kind of a loose cannon. <laughs> he, he'd I be love the first. Trevor. He'd Never. be the first person I think that uh, would come out and say something to the to the contrary on that. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, there's a, a little bit that I wanted to get into with on the field stuff, uh, only because of the fact that the chatter was such leading up to when we stopped play about the third base position and. While we really didn't get a clear-cut winner between Austin Riley or Johan Camargo, the circumstances in which the season comes back might uh, have to table that discussion for the future. But I do think this probably takes off the table the ability to trade for Chris Bryant only because of the fact that uh, that just completely cuts down on the amount of service time that he's going to have inside a Major League Baseball uniform with controlled service time and the fact that you're not going to have much of a sample size for him, or if anything, a tainted sample size for whatever the 2020 season represents. Yeah, I mean, I think that you are, honestly, I think you're very unlikely to see many trades at all because teams aren't going to want to uh, push for this championship, right? Like, they're not, teams aren't going to want to make some big trade to, like, bring in a player, a Chris Bryant, 
who the Braves may have been interested in, you know, coming into spring training um, for for this year, you know. And then obviously with the the service time being affected and all that, teams, I I I'm, I have to think teams would just want to sit back and just play it from the sidelines, throw their team out there, the, whatever team they have this year, just put them out there roll the ball out there and let them play and see what happens, but they're not going to want to make any drastic decisions when this, we talked about it, like this title is going to be looked at completely differently than others. Well, it's not only that, but Major League Baseball would run into the same issue that the NFL just had, where if you do sign a player or you trade for a player, you can't get a physical right now. Yeah. And so, like, when when will that clear up where – where doctors will be back to to doing you know physicals, where a player a player could be cleared to be traded to a different team. Like you'd have to wait on that. Also, the other thing that we haven't really touched on when it comes to playing a season is there are going to be injuries, and are there the the doctors, the necessary medical staff who are there that could deal with it because uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name down in Florida who did a, um, he does a lot of ACL surgeries, a lot of, um, oh, I can't think of the name. Tommy uh, John. Yeah, Tommy John. There we go. Uh, surgeries like that, that he's not operating right now during all of this. So if someone does get hurt, is there a doctor there that could that could help them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the elective surgeries are a big thing right now. Uh, you know, with Joseph Martinez for Atlanta United, Carlos Bocanegra said that, uh, you know, after he tore his ACL, they barely got him in for his surgery in time. Yeah. If it had happened any later, he wouldn't have been able to have his surgery until, like, September. You're thinking of Dr. James Andrews, I think. There we go. Ang- yeah. Andrews, that's yeah. who that's yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah, and he's a guy who I think he did, like, the last elective surgery on a professional athlete because, yeah. you know, Noah Syndergaard had his uh, – Tommy John surgery very, very late in the game. It was either him or Dr. David Olchek who did the surgery, and and that was something, again, that was, at the time, I think universally panned because of the fact that it was uh, taking up space and taking up medical time that uh, could have gone to somebody in a more dire situation involving COVID-19. I kind of disagree on the premise that there aren't going to be trades only because of the fact that you might have a GM who finds himself in desperate straits and dire straits to where maybe they could do something that might appear desperate. I don't want to make the cross sport comparison to like Bill O'Brien, but like make a go for it move in this season to try and save his job. I, I, I wouldn't put it past somebody being like, look, you know, if I can, if, if I can prove some sort of competence by going for it in a season of this nature and, and making some sort of some sort of move like that, I, I I would I'd go for it if I was if if I saw an avenue there with a trade or, or some sort of move to try and you know push for a championship in this year. Well, it's not only that, but you know, some team will try to take advantage of this in order to maybe you know stack their roster or get a player cheap that they otherwise wouldn't able to get in normal circumstances. It wouldn't surprise me at all if a team were to were to take advantage of this because, I mean, they're, they're, they're human, and we've seen everyone from state senators to other businesses take advantage of it. So why wouldn't a Major League Baseball team? I'm almost surprised we haven't seen a team go even the other way and say, you know what, we're just going to 
tank the 2020 season, a team that might not have had an opportunity to contend this season, just completely uh, go by the wayside. I think teams don't have to say that right now. They yeah, right. Just... Yeah, there's no there's no incentive to do it now. You know, it's right. like well, they can. They just don't have to say it. Just yeah, go about it. I mean, has there been any? I haven't um, paid attention when I'm reading some of these articles about what the trade deadline will look like. Has there been any talk about no. whether it's going to get pushed back at all? Or I would think assu- it would have to be. Yeah, it would have to be. They'd have to to alter the collective collective bargaining agreement to some extent um but that's also you'd have to make that decision after you could make a decision on start of the season right <laughs> yeah exactly that that first thing it would first. have to, it, would, it would have it would have to i think be somewhere either halfway or two-thirds of the way before whatever the season looks like uh, is happening well i i'd like to think that we've covered a lot of ground guys um there really isn't a lot of new stuff that we can bring to the table as far as that but we will get back to some more on the field discussions uh maybe handicap that third base position more and that uh, odd man out in the rotation position more just because uh we have some time before uh before baseball starts but uh i'll allow for any last words from either of you before we get on out of here tweet us your predictions about what proposal we'll be talking about next week that's that's what i want Caleb, so we'll be playing. We'll be we'll be playing in like Alaska. <laughs> Caleb, the deal is to you. Uh, well, first off, I feel bad because I did kind of hijack our conversation away from third base, whereas we we did get a little bit of insight from Brian Snicker at the at home opener, where he said if the baseball season had started, they would have just left uh, Riley and Camargo until the ma- the minor league baseball started. So we, we did get a little insight as to where the the intentions were made to, to bring in both, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll have to, to look towards the future of any potential trades. Also, the other thing is um, I've been trying to learn guitar this week, and it's gone horribly, so I really oh, no. need sports to get back because it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, it's not good, man. It's not good. I'm uh, I'm all Been the way there. up to I'm all the way up to season four of The Sopranos, guys. I just oh, started congrats. it yesterday. Oh, it's man. getting it's getting it's getting weird. It's getting, <laughs> yeah. it's getting it's getting weird, and the money is tight. Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> I did try last night a reverse seared steak for the first time in my own house, and didn't How did burn that the go? place down. It went so well. I have pictures up at uh, Willie P Style on Twitter. Uh, it came out so perfectly pink. It was it. it I had one guy on Twitter who said, are you going to cook it? I said, listen, jerk. <laughs> listen, jerk. Okay. Like it's rare. It's not, it was not rare. It looks, it's medium rare. And and, okay. and the thing that you do with the reverse sear is you use a thermometer. And, it, and the, the thermometer uh, temperature was, was right at 135, right at medium rare. Yeah, I've been getting jealous of all the guys that work uh, with with Dukes and Bell and their show, like Bo Morgan and even oh, yeah. uh, Mike Mike Conti. Like all of these guys have got their green eggs and they're they're out in their backyard, you know, smoking meat or or cooking steaks or whatever. And I'm just in here living my apartment life, <laughs> yeah. where you yeah. know, like I got my George, George Foreman, Foreman. <laughs> yep, and just uh, you know, between quesadillas for days. Yeah, between that and you know me and the wife working with the uh, the cast iron skillet doing stuff, it's just like that. That's that's where we're at right now, and I'm I'm a bit jealous. I did see the the steak that you cooked, Will, and uh, it looked good. Will, the cast 
Go ahead, Joe. Your, your, your next thing, and this is what I use, is I've got a, uh, a water circulator to cook oh. a steak in water. Oh, like a sous vide. Sous huh. vide, yeah. Same idea, where okay. you're, just, you're just bringing it up to a temperature that you want it to be at, and then you just sear it off. Yeah. It's nice. You don't need the thermometer that way. Mm. Yeah, but like now at this point, if I want to order any of that stuff, we're talking about a month for it oh, to yeah, come. Oh yeah, for sure. So I've just, uh, I've, I've, I've leaned on my wife to try to come up with with different recipes that that we try, and so far so good. I will say, <laughs> if you can perfect the reverse sear, that is probably the better way because you can get a better crust. Because it, like, when you're reverse oh, searing yeah. it, it dries out the crust a little bit, and you get it nice and nice and crusty. <laughs> The scientific process involving that is called the Mallard reduction. I did a lot of reading yes, on this. Yes, that's right. The Mallard reduction. That's 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 how you you dry out the steak in order to get the the optimal crust. That that's the weird thing. You guys both said that the George Foreman, the the cast iron skillet is the is the apartment revolutionary cooking item of the 21st century. I would think. Yeah, that that sounds fair. Well, it's come back. Yes, it made, it made a comeback after going after going away and being only found inside Cracker Barrel for the better part of the 20th century. The cast iron made the kind of comeback that it was like you know, I'm trying to find the baseball reference to have it come back. It's it's like it's like the kind of comeback that Alex Rodriguez has made after baseball after Ooh. his baseball career ended. There's Accurate. a whole there's a whole society of like cast iron restoration YouTube. It's fascinating. Oh. Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have people, to get into people, that. People, people, uh, you know, diving into dumpster trucks and getting dumpsters and getting cast iron and rusty we cast will, iron and then restoring them. They huh, use we, like electricity, like elect. Le- <laughs> they'll like put electric wires into water and like electrocute the uh, <laughs> the pan. I just need better ventilation. That's all. Yes. I know. Oh my yeah, god. Totally. Yeah. I feel like anytime I use the cast iron, I have to open my balcony door. Yep. I have to put the Every fan. Time. Put the fan on in my bedroom, and then at put, least I'm it's like, and then put the fan on over the deal. I mean, I, and at least inevitably, inevitably, it always ends up getting my smoke alarm to go off. And if you're listening up, and you have an apartment and you're dealing with these struggles, we feel you because I definitely thought I was alone for a little bit, and now I feel so much better. <laughs> you definitely don't want to be setting off the smoke alarm during the quarantine either. Dude, I feel it's like my neighbor, my neighbors feel oh. like I'm 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 like a pyro or something because <laughs> every, every other day, every, every other, other day, day it's I like am. beep beep beep. Like, come on, man. Oh gosh. Well, we will also take cast iron uh, recipes <laughs> on yes. Twitter as well, uh, and maybe we'll discuss those next week and uh, and we'll we'll call them the cast iron chronicles. How about that? I'm, fa- I'm a fan that. of that. I'm a fan of that. Uh, I'm actually been rolls a fan of, of it. Just it's it roll it rolls off the dips and rolls off everything else. And, uh, and with that, we bid you adieu for this week again uh, on Twitter at Willie P Style at J A Patrick two hundred at A T L Johnson eighteen for the Batter Up Podcast, a production of ninety two nine The Game Radio dot com for Caleb Johnson and Joe Patrick. I'm Will Pelagic. We will talk to you next week on Batter Up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 